What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Primal Baseball Podcast. If you have not done so already, go follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Primal Baseball, P-R-I-M-A-L-B-S-B-L. Today, I'm very excited. We have Jason Foley. He is a relief pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, He just got down to Lakeland, Florida, and they are starting up spring training. So they're in their third game of spring training, and Jason's scheduled to throw tomorrow in relief. So without further ado, I'm going to let Jason introduce himself so it's not me talking. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. Um, As you said, yeah, Jason Foley. I grew up in I grew up in Long Island, New York, in the Northeast. Um, been playing baseball my whole life, kind of like I'm sure most of you guys, most of you listeners, and, and Jordy, you probably have been as well. Um, I went to college. I played college ball at Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, I played 14, 2014, 2015, 2016 were the three competitive seasons I played there, and then I signed as a free agent. Uh, I was a free agent signed my junior summer going into my senior year um, in the summer of 16 and I was signed by the Detroit Tigers and yeah I've been there ever since um, I uh, yeah my first my first year in the minors went well I got Tommy John in 17 um, battled back from that and then made my debut in 2021 and uh, yeah and now I'm here in, in 2024 third uh, fourth big league camp or heading for my fourth big league season so yeah, excited to talk about it, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we really appreciate you having on, and I think where I want to start off is you growing up in New York. Obviously, Northeast baseball is is looked at as you know something. Some sometimes it's looked at as there's a smaller talent pool, or there's not as many um, players that that can produce. Whether you're a pitcher or a position player, um, but I just wanted to get a little background on you know what it was like growing up in New York and playing baseball in New York from you could go from youth to even up to high school you know what it was like um talent wise were you the were you always the best you know was there adjustments throughout your younger levels how how was that growing up and playing baseball in New York yeah I would say um I don't know I wasn't always the best I always had a lot of talent I felt like um at least that's what everyone told me right I was always the kid with a good I always had a really good arm that was kind of my thing right I always whether it was baseball or football, like I don't, or like flag football or whatever, I'd always have a good arm. I, I was always able to throw the ball hard. Um, talent and like work ethic, I don't know if I had that going for me, but I was always pretty good, right? I was always a pretty good pitcher. Hitting, hitting, <laughs> hitting, not so much. I was, uh, I went to a PO pretty quickly as of like, I think junior year in high school, but um, I was always pretty good, but we never took it, you know, I never took it too seriously, right? I was always playing ball, like it was always kind of a, just do it recreationally thing for me like it was play travel teams with like my buddies like playing like the local travel team it was never like go to these like crazy right you know I don't know like the crazy travel teams up in up in Boston that are you know we're going yep. all these tournaments it's never anything nuts like that so I always played local I played I played for my middle school team well actually that's another story but I played for my school team and then I'd play with like a travel team like a local team with my buddies and and we do local tournaments and like fall ball and stuff um but I never did anything crazy like that in terms of like these these teams that went all over the place, like these nationally ranked teams. So yeah. I was always pretty good, but I never would say I was like the best. I never thought I really could could get to the position I'm in today. Um, but yeah, then uh, middle school. I actually the reason I said let's get to that is I actually didn't play in middle school. I got I got cut <laughs> from my seventh grade team. Um, so like yeah, again like I wasn't 
I, I couldn't have been that talented, I guess, right, if I got cut from a seventh-grade baseball team. But um, I guess not. That crushed me actually a lot, and I actually didn't want to – I was, like, on the verge of quitting, and I didn't want to try out in eighth grade, and I didn't. Yeah. I didn't at all. And, like, my mom convinced me to, like – my mom convinced me, like, all right, ninth grade back in high school, like, you'll try out again. You'll, you'll get back on it. And, like, she did convince me to play, and I, like, kind of gave myself an ultimatum. I was like, if I – I'll try out again, but like if I get cut again, I'm just going to chalk it up as like, a, I'm not that great. And I'll go just do whatever and be a normal high school kid and yeah, and party or do whatever. Um, but I did make the team as a freshman, luckily, thankfully, or else I don't know if I'd be here today. But um, And then played all four years of college, or high school. And then, um, and yeah, and then I got I got recruited by Sacred Heart. But um, growing up in the Northeast was cool, man. I, I liked it. Um, I do kind of agree with you. I do think the the baseball pool talent is probably not as as talented, I guess, for lack of a better term, as for, yeah, for other sure. places around the country on the coastline that are a little more warm climated. But I don't know what do you what do you, you probably think the same way? I'd assume, right? I, I think it, it it might be misconstrued that that the Northeast doesn't have as much talent. I think maybe it's just because we don't play year round that we we don't get to be showcased all the time, like you know, now it's different. Like now, when you were in, in middle school and, and high school and when I was in middle school and high school, I don't know if you experienced this, but we didn't have a lot of indoor facilities like that we were going to, to do these showcases. Right. And now you start to see on Twitter, on, on Facebook. Now you start to see the indoor facilities that kids are driving to. And, and now people are starting to see, Oh wow. Like there's a dude out of mass throwing 95 or, you know, 98. So it's, it was just a different space. There wasn't as a, as much exposure, especially with social media now blasting out, you know, everyone's going to get found. Right. So it's like, you know, when we were, when we were in high school, when we were in college, it, it just wasn't as prominent, like the, the exposure and, and the reach of, of a one video wasn't the same value that it, you know, didn't have the same value that it has now. So I think that Northeast and new England definitely have good baseball. And I think luckily it's starting to swing where, people are are starting to realize that now um but definitely when we when you and i were were in that process it was i mean it was yeah. few and far between so um but that's you know one of the things that you touched on was just like you enjoying growing up in the northeast and and i think one of the huge things that you spoke about was just you you playing recreationally like it wasn't this stressful thing for you like you were just chilling and having a good time playing and I, i'm curious on if you think that you know, that environment, like the laid back, hanging out, just enjoying the game um, for what it is. If you think that, you know, having, if that benefits, you know, being from the, if being from the Northeast and having that culture benefited you as opposed to being in one of these either down South, like you said, or Boston environment where it's like, you need to be the best. You're like, you're getting cut if you, if you suck. Right. Um, so I'm curious to what you think, if you think that that benefited you at all. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like playing, um, I think you hear it a lot more now, right? Like not playing that one sport year round. Like I, I actually wish I didn't play baseball as much. Like I, um, I mean, I played a lot. My, my dad pushed me pretty hard. Like my dad, like it was right. It was, um, school ball, which was like spring and then summer ball. I'd always play summer travel team. And then you'd play fall ball team or usually that travel team would have like a fall ball league. And then they would do like winter, we do like lessons or something inside or indoors. And um, I kind of almost wish I didn't play as much and, and like kind of dip my toes in other sports. Like 
I don't know whether it's basketball, football, or, or whatnot. Because I do think playing other sports gives you, like, a, a pretty good skill set or, or helps you, like, with a well-rounded skill set, um, teaches you different fundamentals about different sports, right? Like football or maybe, like, and like, football can teach you a good, good bit about, like, toughness and discipline that, like, baseball probably can't do as well because there's a little more physical aspect to it. Um, so I do think it's important to play other sports and whatnot, um, but – there does come a time where obviously a certain kid is like exceptionally good at baseball and like just ridiculously talented. Like you're probably going to want to hone in on it. Um, Cause like, I remember our, our draft pick this past season, Max Clark, who's the yep. third overall pick in the draft or third or fifth or something. And we got to meet him. He came to, he came to Comerica park and he was talking about, he was running like two a days, like one lift, one training session before school, like one after. And I was like, dude, I didn't even like, Touch of weight and high, so I don't even know what that was, dude. So like, for someone like him, it's probably important because he's obviously insanely talented and he's expected to play at the highest level. But I think for a lot of kids who are maybe not at that insanely high, like nationally ranked or nationally prospected type players, like I do think it's important to spread your spread your toes around other sports and like have some fun and not take it insanely seriously. Because the unfortunate truth for a lot of kids is you're. And I hate to say this, but like you're not probably most of them are probably not going to get yeah that level. So like try to have as yeah. much fun as you can, and like try to play other sports. And I do think it'll actually probably help you in the long run. Yeah, and I think so. That's something like, for instance, for the for the listeners that that don't know, I'm I'm finished with my baseball career recently, as of the last <laughs> two months or so. But but it's not about like, and and I think before sometimes, you know, there's this stigma or um you know idea and belief like well if you're if you're not going to make it like or 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 if you're thinking about not making it then you're not going to make it or you know it's it's all or nothing like you don't you don't have to for me personally like obviously it's always a dream to to be a MLB player but um for some kids it doesn't it doesn't have to be that like if if you don't want to make baseball that it's okay not to not to want to be an MLB baseball player and, and still train and, and love the game. It's okay to be, um, you know, not, not wanting to be an MLB player, but if, if you do, um, you know, obviously it's, it's hard sometimes to look at the, you, you kind of almost like for me, I, I put that, like you said, like that realistic, like, oh, you're not going to make it or, or you are going to make it like the small percentage. You almost have to put that behind you when you're in college and just pretend like, just, just keep dreaming. But at some point it is okay to like, look at that and say, you know, let's, let's be realistic with my talent level. So I think that that's important. Like it's a, it's a hard thing to talk about and, and think about, but at some point in your career, like that's a discussion that you should have with your coaches, with your family. Like that's, that's definitely an important thing to, to think about when you're thinking about how much time and effort you want to put into the whole, the whole baseball thing. Like, like you said, you know, if you're a nationally ranked guy going once in the morning, once at night, you know, maybe it's worth it. But for a guy who who might not, you, you might just be, you know, grinding yourself down a road for for not a lot of reward. So it's I mean, it's it's tough. And it's never a linear path. There's no right answers or wrong answers. But it's just taking information and, and you know, trying to make the best decision with what you have. I, I don't know if that made any sense. I probably rambled a lot. But um, yeah, that that's, that's my thoughts. And, and, you know, as you're talking about showcases and and lifting and and working out and doing those things i was curious on 
how you got recruited. Like if, if you weren't going to the showcases, right, you said you were pretty laid back. How are you getting recruited to, to Sacred Heart? Yeah, it's um, kind of a wild story, I guess. Like, I, I didn't really – dude, I was, like, really close to not playing baseball in college. Um, yep. Like, again, I didn't – I don't know. I don't know. A lot changed for me, but growing up, I didn't necessarily – I only wanted to go play ball at school in college if I was I, – I wanted to make sure it was a good college, like, from an academic standpoint, and, like, also a good school, a school that I wanted to go to because, again, I was, like – I was like, look, playing in the MLB would be sick, but it's also like a pipe dream, right? So like, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, I don't want to sacrifice what could be like the four like, amazing years of my life just to go play at a school that, you know, I don't really want to go to. Um, so I had like, I had a lot of these like showcase. Um, you probably got them too, like those, um, like these big, these bigger schools, like from the from like the Power Five school conferences or like. Bigger colleges, they'll they'll host these showcases and then and then let like lesser schools come because they obviously want to be the biggest school at them to 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 get the best players. Um, they don't want any other competition with them. So I would ignore a lot of them. I got some from like Virginia Tech and some pretty cool schools that I, I would have maybe wanted to go to and kind of like ignored them because I don't know. I didn't know if I wanted to play. And then I kind of got I kind of went to this I went to this UConn showcase because I was like I really wanted to go to UConn to begin with. Um, like cool basketball school, like they're, they're winning national championships and stuff. So I was like, oh, this would be sick. So I went to a UConn showcase and with hopes of getting recruited by them and Sacred Heart is like an hour or two away. And um, I went to one of those and, and the coach kind of reached out to me and was, you know, pretty much said, you know, I saw you there. I liked you. Um, we'd love to have you. And like, I was really torn with the decision because like I did not want to go to Sacred Heart University like it's a school that most people never heard of like it's a tiny little Catholic school nothing wrong with it but like I wanted to go to a school with like a big sports program um like a football team basketball team you know the schools that you grow up watching on like sports center every Saturday and the Sacred Heart just was not that school at all and it was a decent academic school but it wasn't I don't know it wasn't like it wasn't like Northeastern it wasn't like exceptional by any means um so I was really close to like really, really, really close to not going. And I remember I was playing pickup football with my boys and I, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So I, I called my coach and I was like, yeah, I'm coming, come, I'm coming to Sacred Heart and just the rest is history, but I'm happy it worked out the way it did. Yeah. And, and when you got there, like, you know, for, for, I'm assuming most of the listeners know just cause they're, you know, in in the know of college baseball, but Sacred Heart is, is, it's not one of those big schools. Like you said, it's a mid-major, you know, um, what was that like, you know, adapting to college baseball? Was it, was it a little bit easier because of the conference you were in or, you know, was it, was it still a big jump and how did you, how did you, you know, counteract those, those changes and what, what were some things that you did like mindset wise and, and physically that, that you needed to do to, to be successful there? Yeah, Sacred Heart was almost kind of like I felt like the hardest part adapting to school was was just adapting to living on your own for the first time and like getting pretty much getting like your life together from like a you got to balance school, you got to balance um, your social life, you got to balance your baseball life, um, and like those are the three things I feel like you know they're really like the three driving factors of college, right? You got your social life, your your academic life, and your if you're an athlete, your your athletic stuff, and like balancing that was tough. I thought from a baseball perspective, it was kind of like, obviously the competition was better, but it was more or less like glorified high school. Like there wasn't any like of this external pressure coming from, 
like, you know, you go to like, I got buddies now, obviously a lot of the guys in the clubhouse with me are, you know, from like LSU and Florida and like SEC and, you know, they're like fans are legitimate. Like a lot of those sports fans are like crazier than NFL, like professional teams. Like they're, they're bought in, they're, they're diehard. So there wasn't any like external pressure in that regard, but like getting my life together from, from just like a figuring out what to do standpoint was, was kind of tough, but um it was cool i mean i i it took me a while to to like to realize i liked it there but um at first it was a bit of a culture shock honestly a lot of kids will think that and and you know i had similar experiences i went to southern new hampshire out of out of high school southern new hampshire university um and then transferred to babson after and finally ended up at northeastern but at each school like when you tra- when when you start out from high school you think that the biggest transition is going to be that baseball transition but realistically like it's still the same game it's getting played a little bit faster and the guys are bigger and stronger but you're recruited for a reason like you're good too but but you're right like the biggest transition that not a lot of people think about is like you're on your own it's not like like you don't you can call your mom you can call your dad like you can text them but like if you got an issue or you like it's it's on you there's no teachers holding your hand like you got to get your homework in on on time you got to get um what you got to get to class on time like it's it's nobody's holding your hand through it nobody's nobody's helping you out. I mean, you know, there's your friends and your teammates to get you through it, but you got to grow up a little bit. And that's probably the biggest factor that not a lot of people or not a lot of athletes will, will think about before getting to school is just that whole being, you know, more independent on your own. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out what to eat. You can't eat McDonald's every night. I mean, you can, but it's not gonna, not gonna come out too well. Um, and, and same thing with, with the social life, like, you, you can go out every night and, and party and do what you need to do, but that might take a little bit of your baseball performance away too. So it's all, it's, it's the biggest thing is just balancing out everything together, figuring out, you know, how to live life alone. And, and it's, it's hard. Like that first couple months is going to be hard figuring out, but once you get in a, once you get in a routine and everything starts to slow down a little bit, then you, it feels like you kind of hit your stride. And, and then the next, the next four years are pretty sweet. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Did you feel yeah. like it was tough for, did you feel like it was tough for you? Cause you, I didn't know you went to three different schools. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I knew you went to Northeastern, I think. Yeah. I think yep. I knew you went to SNU, but I didn't know about the middle. Did you find it tough to like just constantly adapting to new programs and players and, and whatnot? Yeah. So the first, the first one was like just new for me. Like I'm from Vermont. So going from Vermont baseball, like we didn't really practice. We didn't really, you know, do a lot of things. We not weight training. We're not doing any of the baseball pitching stuff. Like it was literally just me playing shortstop and throwing every once in a while. Um, so getting to snoo, the biggest thing was just adapting to like a pitcher lifestyle and, and also just the academics and, and the social life and being alone. But, um, the biggest transition for me was actually going from SNHU to Babson, which was my second school. I was only at Southern Hampshire for a year and Babson academics kind of ticked up. So I got in a little bit of, in, I got in a little bit in the dome, like scared, like I, w- I wasn't going to be able to, to cut the, to cut the GPA minimum, but it, it, like that was just for the first week. And after that it was, it was fine. Um, so the biggest transition for every single time has been, um, something other than baseball. It's been either academics going to Babson and then transferring to Northeastern. It was just getting adapted to the to the D one schedule where you're going every weekend and leaving on Thursday. And, and, um, I was taking online classes anyways. So it wasn't, wasn't that big of a difference for me. Um, Mm -hmm. the biggest transition was definitely the 
SNHU to Babson and, and the academics and, and living on my own and, and having to deal oh, yeah. with everything all at once. But yeah, it wasn't, wasn't crazy baseball wise. Um, but, but now that we're on the, the baseball training kind of topic, I know. So, so for the listeners, a little background, uh, me and me and Jason met at tread. Uh, I was training down there and he was doing his off season work down there in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we talked a little bit, like we would, we'd be lifting together. One time I was, uh, I was doing some bench press and, and he oh, asked yeah. if I needed, he asked if I needed, uh, a, a, a little bit of a lift or, uh, or a spot. Cause I was, I was struggling. I got it up, but I was struggling, uh, could have been bad. So that's kind of how we, how we met. And, um, you know, luckily he's on the podcast now, but we, we talked about training methods and, um, kind of some technique stuff when you were down there, we, you know, you were kind of in control of your strength and conditioning and, and, you know, you talked about going to, to tread for, for more of the throwing and, and, uh, pitching stuff. But, you know, as I'm sure you've seen like on social media, like there's just a million different techniques, a million different methods, a million different ways to like throw hard and get your velocity up. You know, are, are you, what is your ideology? You don't have to go deep if, if, if you can't, but you know, do you feel like some of this stuff is kind of getting out of hand? Like, how do you simplify and how do you, how do you balance the simplification of throwing, but also the, the growth, like from changing the mechanics, right? Cause you can't go crazy deep into the mechanics all the time because it, you just can't throw, but you also, if you're too simple, it can, it can backfire too. So how do you balance that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, from, from like the training aspect and like the strength conditioning side, um, right. I think there's like, like you said, I think there's a million ways to skin a cat, right. There's like, I know everyone in my clubhouse, like there's all, I've seen people of different shapes, different sizes, different body types. They all train. They're in the same clubhouse playing at the same level. And they all, a lot of guys do similar stuff. A lot of guys do a lot of their own type of stuff and it's different. So I think that's the beauty of sports, right? There's, there's, you can do a lot of different training methodologies and achieve the same goal. Um, so I think a lot of it's figuring out what, what works for you. Right. So like, I never, I never touched a weight in high school. Like I never like real, I mean, I, a couple times, but it realistically never worked out in high school. And then you get to college and you start figuring out about strength training and, and, and all this type of stuff and like Jaeger bands and all these different type of <clears throat> modalities to strengthen your body and like make yourself an ideal athlete and, and a better baseball player. So I think it's super important to try a lot of different things and, and try to figure out what works for you and try to figure out what routine works for you because because um, that's going to ultimately, like I think a routine is super important. So right, if you can figure out what works for you, then that's going to help you get to the next level or, and help you be the best athlete you can. So um, yeah, like it's just a lot of trial and error, man. I've tried a lot of stuff. I've, I've been to a lot of like each strength coach kind of has different methodologies for you and, and different type of stuff. But you eventually get to the point where you know your body the best, like as much as anyone with all these degrees and all these, um, you know, their their coaches, they're, they're, they got all these degrees and whatnot. They can tell you what they think is the best, but you really got to figure out what's best for you as an athlete. Um, and being able to self-correct and self-coach yourself, I think, is super important. So, like, again, I've been strength training for since 2016. 20, I guess 14 was my first year in college. So like, I've just kind of like, you pick something from here, you pick something from there. Like you, you talk like me and you, like we, we talk it in the off season, you're talking to other athletes and other, yep. other really high class athletes like yourself. And, and a lot of those guys at tread. So like you pick up on things, you, you, you pick, you add, subtract, and then you figure out what works for you. And 
it is hard though. You're right with social media. There's there's a ton of stuff out there. There's a ton of um, there's probably a ton of conflicting stuff out there. Um, But again, I think the best is try things and see what feels the best for you and see how your body responds. Like if you do a certain movement or a certain drill and you think it's translating, I think that there's some. I do think there's some benefits to like a placebo as well. So like if you feel like it's working, yeah. I do think um, it's it's effective. So yeah, I think you got to trial and error. Yep. And yeah, and and I think one of the or one of the questions that I have off of that was is um, you know when you're more on the mound and you're working with your arsenal or you're working on the mound, are you a big uh, technology <laughs> guy? Like, do you access? I, I know you obviously have access to the Rapsodo, to the TrackMan, to all that. <laughs> kind of stuff being in an MLB clubhouse, but are you, you know, are you more of a technology guide? Do you use it here and there when you need to? Are you like totally data based where you're just only looking at it? Like how, how does that play a role in, in your repertoire and, and who you are as a pitcher? Yeah, I think there's, um, I think there's a time and a place, right? Um, I think, it's hard because everyone wants to be like a tech guy and like the technology is great. Like the track man, it shows, you know, it shows you everything. It shows you exactly how your ball's moving, exactly how it's spinning, exactly. And then you pair that with like the slow-mo camera, the edgetronic, and it shows you exactly how you're releasing it. So like there's fantastic, fantastic information out there. But I also think you need to learn like the fundamentals of pitching and the fundamentals of like learning how to compete, learning how to throw strikes, learning how to attack hitters, like, learning how to execute pitches when it when it matters because if you can't do any of that stuff then like it you know if you're throwing a 48 inch vertical <laughs> you know like sweeper yeah. or like whatever like you know it doesn't really mean anything if you're not throwing it for strikes and so i am a tech guy i do use it um but situationally right like i think like in my pens in the off season i'll use it um but like, for example, like, I don't know, during the season, right, there's uh, during the season, right, if I get if I can get if I succeed, if I do my job and I get three outs before giving up a run and I and I give our team a chance to win that following inning, like, I don't really care if my slider moved this direction or, or had that vertical break on it or like whatever, because like when it comes when it comes down to it when there's like a man on second in scoring position and you got to get an out and the game's tied or something like you're not going to care about that. You're going to care about how can I execute this pitch as best I can? And like, how can I compete as best I can to get this guy out? So I do think there's a time and a place for the, for the tech, for the numbers, like more in the off season, more when you're developing something, but at the same time, like when the lights come on and you're competing you got to know how to like, you got to know how to compete and deal with pressure and execute pitches and, and throw strikes and attack hitters or else, none of that stuff really makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, like you said, totally, totally a time and a place, like the time and a place to, to figure out your breaking ball is not in the eighth inning when there's a man on second and, and like one out, like there's, you have all that time in the, whether you're training in a facility or practice or whatever, you have all that time to, to fix those things. And it's totally fine to have a, a time and a place where you're working on a specific cue or a specific um, feel, but that stuff all takes place before. That's all a preparation thing. When you are on the mound and and competing, that that's not a time to 
to think about like how your how your back hip is rotating or if you're loading enough into your glute like yeah. that's probably not probably not a great time to do it if you want to do it and you can do it good on you but um definitely for some guys that can get them locked up and and a little bit <laughs> in the dome so um you know you know sometimes there is beauty in that simplicity of just going out there and and competing and, and trust in the work that you you did in the did in the off season or or, or did when you were I think it's kind of important too. You probably saw it, but um, like based on kind of what we were saying, like like um, like honing in on like the basics and whatnot. Like I don't know if you saw the nationals um, spring training, like bullpen mounds. There were signs behind it that said like I don't care how hard you throw a ball for. Yeah. And like so, pretty much saying like right, like I don't you know you could throw a thousand miles an hour, but like if you're not throwing strikes, it's yeah. not translating. Like it's crazy to say this, but like the lessons you learn as like a little kid, like right strikes get ahead like i swear to god i'm not like exaggerating like we'll have aj hinch our manager will have you know we'll have meetings every morning before um before like the day of camp starts and like it'll be like preaching like throw strikes throw strike one and like so it sounds so dumb and it sounds so like elementary but like the same principles apply from when you're in like little league and 45 foot mounds till like right now like like he made a huge deal about our first spring training game and our starter like throwing the first pitch for a strike um he like had a prize ready for him if he did it like i'm calling it's like it sounds so dumb but it, like <clears throat> the same principles apply from when you're a little league to now so like it really is super important yeah that's that's sweet <clears throat> um that's awesome and and uh, you, you know both sides you you like i think that's an important an important piece to touch on is, is both sides are right. Um, it's kind of a mixture of both, right? If you're throwing a hundred and three miles an hour, but you're hitting every batter, it's probably not going to be great. But if you're also throwing strikes and you're throwing 75, like it's also probably not going to be great. So, you know, there's definitely a marriage of both and, and, and it's, it's awesome to, to just hear stories, especially from MLB guys of, of their manager saying like, get ahead, throw strikes. Cause that's what we, I mean, that's what you do. This, this game sometimes can be made a lot more complicated than it, than it has to be. And that's really cool that, um, you know, even at the highest level, they're just, they're just simplifying, but, but yeah, I mean, I also, you know, going back to, to the transition thing, what was, you know, kind of the biggest adjustment for you from, from sacred heart to, to pro ball? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, I think some of it was just like, like mentally figuring out that you belong there. Cause like I came from a school that uh, I think I was a third, I'm pretty sure I'm the third MLB player from my school. Yep. Um, so like not, you know, again, not many people from mid majors get to play after college and professionally. And luckily I had a chance, but you know, I'm, I'm walking into a clubhouse of a lot of guys that are, you know, again, SEC, ACC, Pac-12, like these big time schools are like these super high prospects. And like, I'm just like a, I was a guy that kind of like got, again, I didn't even get drafted. I was a guy that was signed as a free agent and kind of just like given a chance. So like, I think some of it was going in there and like trying to make myself realize that I belong. Yeah. Um, and then again was also like, there was definitely a physical component of like, look, I came from, again, came from a mid-major. So like, our competition wasn't exactly like terrific, right? Like we'd go play schools from the SEC and ACC and kind of get smashed. Yeah. So like there was a little bit of a like, all right, you're going to have to figure out how to like pitch and get some dudes out. But 
Um, again, it's trial and error, man. It's, it's failing and, and learning from your failure. And like, uh, that's the greatest thing about sports, right? Is you're, you're always going to fail. You're, there's always going to be, there's always going to be points to learn from. And, and that's, and that's how you end up getting better. Cause you're, you're never going to be perfect. You're, you're no matter who you are, right? Like Shohei Otani or Garrett Cole, like they're going to, Garrett Cole's going to have outings <laughs> where he gives up six runs, dude, against yeah. like the worst team in the league. And then, yeah. So like, you got to just learn from your failures and, and move on. And then yeah. yeah. And that's, that's great. I was actually wondering like how, if you had any specific kind of like methods or, or techniques that you use to, to reset after failure. I know some guys like have actual, you know, actions that they'll do or like maybe routines and, and kind of processes that they go through. But is there anything specifically that you do after a failure to kind of reset? Um, that's a tough question. I'm that's, that's actually a part of my game. I'm like, I would say I, I really would like to improve at. Um, yep. I think everyone could improve at. It's like the, the mental, kind of like more of like the mental side of things. Um, yeah. One thing I've been toying with is like, um, right, I, I think, again, I was talking about like how routine is super important. And so I try to I try to go in with the mindset of, of right, like let's say nor, most games are at 7 o'clock or something. But so like if I can do everything I can from when I wake up and I, I can check all my boxes of like I did – you know, I did my, my shoulder work, my, my mobility routine, my, if I need to get a lift in that day, I did that. I, I had a good, like focused game of catch play. I, you know, got treatment done if I needed to, I fueled my body properly. Like if I can go to bed at night after giving up, having a bad outing and, and I realized I was able to do everything I could. And, and I went out there and I competed and I, you know, I gave him a hundred percent effort and I just got hit around or I just, you know, didn't have a good night. And like, I try to think of like, all right, you know what? Like I did what I could, I did everything I can. And like, sometimes it's just not your day. Like, again, it's, it's just sports, man. Like the other teams get paid a lot of money to hit the ball and they get paid to do the same thing you're doing. So, um, sometimes you got to just realize it's, it's not your day. And, um, but it's hard, dude, sometimes. And then also sometimes it's like, then sometimes maybe you'll go back to like, we were talking about the technology and like, maybe, maybe your stuff wasn't necessarily effective that night and then maybe then you'll maybe start tinkering with all right well why why wasn't my slider moving that that well or or what mechanical maybe insufficiency was going on or what why was my why was I throwing a lot of balls or something so there's a couple ways to go about it but I generally try to think of you know if I if I, if I checked all my boxes that day and I and I gave my effort like sometimes you got to just be able to move on and focus yeah. on maybe any positive right because you're always gonna have something that came out of that outing that was good or or maybe at bad if you're a hitter but like you're probably not gonna have just a 100 percent negative experience right there's gonna be probably something you could pick out of that right like i threw a really good i threw a really good like two two slider i threw a really good this or that or i made a really good pitch here when i needed to um so try to focus on the positives that you can get out of it and then just try to try to hone in on that routine that you did during the day and try to realize that, Hey, I did it all I could. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> it's, it's cool for, for the younger listeners to, to hear, you know, uh, a major leaguer talk about kind of the mental performance side, because that's, that's something that is, is often left off the charts. Like we, we think about, you know, the mechanics of it and the, the mechanical analysis of, you know, the, the delivery, but we often leave out the, the mental performance side where, you know, once you have the delivery down, you still need to execute and, and handle the failure and handle the, the, the pressure, if you will, of, of going out there and, and competing. And, and one of the things 
<clears throat> I was was wondering about for you is, you know, when you're out on the mound, especially in in a situation where you now have thousands of people watching you and, and maybe that doesn't matter to you, but how, how do you kind of focus with with all distractions that are possible? Right. I mean, you have you got sound, you got visuals, there's there's crazy amounts of things that you need to be blocking out. And and how are you able to to focus on your task, you know, when when things get a little bit squirrely, because and, and also like, let me add, like, there's there's crazy other things going on too. Like you're, it's not just, you're not just a baseball player, you're a human being and there's other things that are happening, you know, around and, and in your life. So how, how are you able to focus and and lock in when, when you get on that mound? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, sometimes it's hard, dude, you're right. Sometimes it's really (laughs) tough. I mean, especially when stadiums are packed out, but in a weird way, I think the clock kind of helped it kind of helps the the pitch clock because you don't really have as much time to like, kind of get buried in your own thoughts yeah like you kind of like really have to get the ball and just go um whereas before like you could i don't know let's say you just like spike a slider it's a horrible pitch like you have time to just like yeah. sit in that and be like damn that pitch sucked or like yeah now i got the fans like cheering because that pitch sucked or something or like the road you know yeah. um so it's hard i think i think trying to you know i think like breathing and and, and like breath work and stuff is like kind of coming to the forefront um as like a new, like, you know, that's kind of like a, a lot, like a popular thing to be, to be doing right now. And yeah, for I think sure. any way to try to find yourself, um, I don't know, like a lot of guys do different stuff, but any way to try to find yourself in like the present moment, right. Whether that's like you breathing or like, I've heard guys like maybe looking at like a focal point on the stadium and realizing like, okay, like I'm here right now. Like I'm like, it kind of grounds you and gets you back to center. Um, it's hard. I mean, sometimes you just, again, like sometimes you, you just hear it, bro. You hear the fans booing you, you hear like what's going on. But, um, I generally try to, I generally try to take a deep breath or like a, a, a reasonably slow deep breath. Can't go too slow anymore. Right. We got 15 seconds to the ball, but, um, I'll try to take a deep breath and then give myself a little bit of just like a little bit of pick me up or like a little bit of like, all right, let's go. Like, let's execute this pitch or something. Just like kind of a, some little phrase of like encouragement or endearment before I, take that sign and go. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. Sometimes it's hard, dude. It's, it's when you're locked in, it's one of the coolest feelings. You're just on autopilot. And then there's, there's times when shit, you notice everything, (laughs) but everything else, but the task at hand and it's hard and it's hard to get yourself back, but a deep breath or or something to try to make yourself realize that like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. Sometimes helps. Yeah, no, that's, that's sweet. And, and yeah, I mean, towards the end of of my career I definitely was or or the last couple years of my collegiate career was definitely more into the breathwork stuff because I mean that's that's something that I struggle with I think it's easy for um you know people casual fans watching or people watching to be like oh like why isn't this dude locked in like what what's going on like why can't he perform right now and it's like dude sometimes like we're we're human too like we get scared when (laughs) when you got when you got that many people watching or when, when you got something else like going on in your life, like it's, it's sometimes it's hard to focus. So, you know, that's, that's a part where if you can do that breath work and, and do it even do it even outside of, of baseball and, and kind of work on, work on it outside of baseball, then when you're forced into those situations, you can have control over your breathing and, and yourself. And it, it's not easy. Like in life and, and in baseball, it's going to be, there's going to be some stressful moments that, that, 
you literally can't fo- like you, you can't focus like you said it's just like you're you're hearing it all like you hear everything and, oh, yeah. and it, it's it's hard like it's tough man it's tough. but i mean i mean you're just gonna have to sometimes play with it and and, and do what you can with what you got um and and I, I mean that's that's pretty much all i i wanted to touch on as far as you know the baseball stuff here i, I do have some rapid fire questions that I, I can run through and you can give me quick answers if, if you want. Um, yeah, but, knock yourself right, out. Knock yourself all out. right, let's go. What's uh, what's the coolest part about being a major leaguer? Um, yeah, I think um, I'm going to go with the answers that I think you want to hear, but oh, okay. I think like, um, <laughs> I don't know, like flying on a flying on a private, private jet is pretty tight. I mean, it's That's an experience that I re- like, I never thought I would ever get to do, but, we get to fly private, which is pretty, pretty dope. Yep. Um, we stay at some pretty sweet hotels, which is awesome. Um, yep. So there are a lot of like materialistic things like that that are sweet, like some really nice dinners that I've gotten to go to in restaurants. Um, yep. But I do think one of the really coolest parts is that like sometimes you'll have like I don't want to sound like as much fun as playing baseball as it is. It does get to be like it is a job. Um, yep. Yep. But you do have sometimes when you have those realizations that like damn, I worked, I worked my ass off like day after day, year after year. And it, and it kind of paid off and you have, sometimes I'll have these realizations where it's like, shit, like I, I made it like you, you, you kind of like all that hard work and all those sacrifices that you made. And like, you know, like you know what it's like to be a college yep. athlete and, um, you kind of wake up sometimes and you're like, damn, like <laughs> I made it. So like, that's a really cool yeah. moment. It, sometimes yeah. you get lost in it. Um, lost in the busyness of the year and, and the, and the jobness of it per se. Like, but, um, the first two were really neat, but sometimes uh, having those moments are, they're always really cool. So that's, that's a cool one too. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, what is, what is a book recommendation for some younger athletes? If you have any, if not, that's fine too. Yeah, no, no. I, uh, <clears throat> that's a good one. I just, I actually just read this book this off season called chop wood, carry water. I'm not sure. Yes, if sir. Yes. Yeah, it's a really good book. I liked it for a ton of reasons. One, it's a it's a super easy read. Like I'm not a you know I'm not fucking Einstein over here. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's like forty <laughs> chapters, but they're like four pages each, and it kind of just runs through like a story. I mean, you've read it, but I guess a, it kind of runs through a story of this kid trying to be like a samurai warrior, and he goes to this like boot camp essentially, and and he's like in touch with this sensei for the entire thing, and each each chapter is kind of it's just a different life lesson essentially about how to, how to work hard and the importance of hard work and discipline and kind of staying the course and focusing on the process and has all these amazing life lessons in it that, that you could really open any chapter at any time and get something awesome from. And I don't even think it's great for, I think it's great for everyone. I'm going to definitely reread it. Um, I only read it once and I feel like it's one of those books you can constantly go back to. It's going to be a book that I keep on my nightstand just in case I want to, pop it open and, and just, and just, uh, get some words of wisdom, but it's a pretty sick book. Yeah. That's, that's a good idea. I actually didn't reread it and I feel like I need to do that right now. I feel like this, this is a good time for me to, to reread, but no, definitely recommend that book for sure. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other um, that one came to mind just cause I read it like two months ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll, if I think of one at the end, I'll, 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 get yeah, it. I'll, 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 I'll come back to it too. Um, What's your favorite memory from baseball? Um, it'd be tough not to say my debut. Um, 
it'd be tough not to professionally probably like the the 48 hour span of my debut because it happened so quick i would say from a college standpoint we won my we won our conference tournament my soft my sophomore year so 2015 <clears throat> we won the northeast conference and went on to a regional which was dope we got to play at tcu yep. um we did go to and out but it was pretty sick um it's all right. those two were pretty i guess pretty top of the top of the line but yeah favorite food god um i'm a new york guy Tufton. uh i think about this a lot dude but i think like don't want to get dark here but if i were to go on death row i think it might be a pizza i think it might oh, be a big on. pizza not like a steak or something yeah but like steak is like steak is at least like good for you i think and like all right it yeah. does taste, and don't get me wrong, like a ribeye. Like, give me like a six-ounce oh. tomahawk, no doubt. But, oh. like, if we're trying yeah. to feel like a sl- – like, pizzas, yeah. like, give me a buffalo chicken pizza or something, dude. All right. All right. Uh, <clears throat> best or <clears throat> most important life lesson that baseball has taught you? Um, You can do a couple if, if you can. No, I think uh, – it's just a good – that's a good question, so I don't want to, like, jump to an answer. I do think – Sports are terrific, like teachers, and, and there's a lot of parallels in life. Um, I will say the one thing I do love about sports we kind of touched on earlier is that, like, right, there's always going to be there's always going to be something to learn from there. And there's always going to be a natural right sports. Are, sports is one side versus the other. So someone's always going to fail. And I think failure is important, although it's like it doesn't sound great at the time and it sucks at the time and you get kicked down and, and it feels, it feels horrible. Like failing is not fun, but I do think if you're able to learn from that failure and that's how you really improve at anything. Cause if you're not failing at something, it means you're not trying at something. So I do think, um, putting yourself in situations that you fail and you, and you can learn from and get better and sports kind of naturally puts you in those situations, right? Like everyone, you you know, you, you were a player, you, Obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you had struggles in college at some point. It just happens. You go into ruts, you go into slumps. But the more you can learn from it and the more you can get yourself out of those slumps and, and learn from it, like I think that that parallels with life because life isn't easy, right? Life's going to life's gonna kick you down sometimes, um, yeah, a lot of times. Um, so yeah. if you, you can you can tell yourself, like, look, like, I have the confidence I can get out of this and I'm, I'm going to move forward. So I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, advice to your five-year-old self? Um, probably have more fun playing baseball growing up. Take it a little less serious. Um, realize it's just a game and, and everything's going to kind of be all right. Cause I think now again, it's, don't get me wrong. I love playing, but it is a job. Um, whereas when I was a kid, like I, you kind of don't, kind of don't get that feeling as much now like again because it is a job so i wish i wish i had more fun playing growing up and just played with a little more carefree attitude playing yeah yeah and and that's that's all i got for the for the rapid fire so you made it through um you know again you know i'll um, i'll wrap up real quick but um you know if if you do not know jason foley go check him out go go google his name um you know he's going to be he'll be pitching a lot for the tigers this year out of relief and and obviously we we wish him the best but um before before i do the little outro i just wanted to thank you jason for coming on uh hopefully i mean i know i took a lot out of it and i know the 
the younger listeners will will take a lot out of it too. So just wanted to thank you for your time and, and appreciate um, you taking the time out of a out of a Monday night to to talk with me. Of course, brother. Thank you for having me. I, I had a pleasure chopping up about some ball, and yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully some of those listeners got something out of it, and hopefully I uh, imparted a little bit of wisdom there. And we had, <laughs> I definitely had fun talking, so it's a good episode. Absolutely. So if you haven't done so already, again, follow us on Primal Baseball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, P-R-I-M-A-L-B-S-B-L. If you have somebody that you think would be a good guest, or if you want to be a guest, reach out to us at primalbaseball at gmail.com. And uh, Jason, best of luck this season, and we'll be watching. No doubt. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that.